I founded Vork uh, last year around November with my co-founder, Peter. Uh, we met through the Y Combinator platform. So they have like this co-founder matching tool that we met through. Um, and we instantly, I, I'd gone through a few founders that I hadn't actually connected with. And then this, the, Peter was the first person out of, I think, eight people um, that I finally met. It's, it's kind of like the Tinder for uh, founders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, yeah, we met in a coffee shop. Uh, we just kind of, we were talking about productivity. I had done startups before, so I've, uh, my, uh, my entrepreneurship journey actually started off in my second year of university. Um, I did a company called Servo with a friend. Um, we basically built mm-hmm. a hairstyle uh, on-demand, on-demand hairstyling platform. Um, for international mm-hmm. students, uh, especially people coming from Africa, Asia, um, who didn't, who needed special hairstyling services. So we just kind of built that online over uh, in Kitchener. It blew up in Kitchener um, for a bit, and then we sold it off. And then after that, uh, we, uh, after that, I, you know, joined this company called Pulse. Um, we were building IoT technology there. So I, I was the first salesperson there, basically uh, built the sales department there from scratch, um, got them all the customers, most of the customers they have today and then growing. And then last year, uh, kind of jumped ship to work after meeting Peter because we kind of connected over productivity and we'd both face burnout. Peter's a software developer. He's an engineering mm-hmm. manager. He's sort of done a bunch of roles, worked at Ubisoft, Yelp, et cetera. Um, and he, he's very friendly. He's very friendly with the concept of burnout, um, just with mm-hmm. the work he's done. And then same with me working at a startup, burnt out quite a few times. So this, we just connected over that and we decided we want to build something for that. And obviously you had some kind of startup experience in the past. You've done it before. What, what made it different kind of doing it another time or like the second time, or I mean, depending on how many starts you had in the past, like multiple times, does, does the process get easier? Is it harder now that you know the amount of work required? Kind of what was the, the different approach or was the very similar approach kind of approaching it the second or third time from kind of having some success in the past? I, I would say a bit of both. It's easier from the perspective of, you know, you've kind of done it. So you have more confidence in yourself. At the first mm-hmm. startup I was doing servo, I didn't know what I was doing, honestly. I just mm-hmm. kind of put step one step in front of the other, got some mentors. They helped me out, you know, guided mm-hmm. me on my way. Um, and again, thankful to them even today for the guidance and the knowledge that I got from them. Um, you know, so it was harder the first time. It gets easier every time you do it um, in the sense of the process. So the process of building a startup, the process of, you know, customer discovery, you get better at that. You, you know, you get, better, you get better at understanding problems, I would say. That process gets easy. Everything else is hard in the sense that every new startup is its own different journey. There are some overlaps, but rarely any that make the journey significantly easier the next mm-hmm. time. Um, yeah, that is interesting. I guess yeah, every startup uh, problem solution stage is so important, and that's really the make or break for a lot of founding teams and start startups. So having some experience doing that, and realizing oh, I have to interview my customers, I have to ask them what they want, and not pigeonhole or kind of force them to give me the answer I want to see, which is very common for first-time founders. You you tend to see it's like they'll come to you saying, "Hey, we've created this solution to this problem." would you like to try it for free? And they're like, well, I guess. And they're like, hey, everyone loves it, but it's pretty much giving, the, it's like the free beer question. Yeah. It's like, hey, do you want free money? Everyone says yes. And you're like, I'm the genius. And then you realize, oh, no one's going to pay for my uh, solution. Yeah. So when that, so burnout is a very common topic. 
obviously more more in media light i'd say in, in recent years especially with covid and kind of people not really having that work-life separation that is typically needed for that balance when you realized or when you're approaching that problem how did it start because burnout's everything there you can go you know on the hr side of things you can look at like ways to minimize tech how did you figure out where to solve the problem and kind of how did work come to be was the idea like hey you know we're in our calendars a lot let's try to solve this problem or was it more the fact that what's the first step for tackling burnout kind of how did that go because burnout's such a broad topic and there's so many different ways to approach it yeah for sure i think that's a good question so we've been through a couple iterations before mm-hmm. by by the time we are where we are right now when we first started out, we, me, Peter and I bonded on the topic of burnout and increasing productivity, but it wasn't necessarily burnout that was, we, that, that's, that was, burnout wasn't what we were trying to solve. It was actually the opposite way we were, we were saying, how do we build something that increases productivity within an organization, mm-hmm. right? So we, we approached the problem from that perspective. And then when we started looking at what we do is, so there's this problem methodology that I follow um, that I learned from Problem Labs at Waterloo. It's basically breaking mm-hmm. down a problem to its first principles and then kind of going from there. Um, so mm-hmm. what we did is we said, okay, looking at it, we knew that we wanted to solve productivity for tech employees. Um, so we said, okay, what's the biggest sort of time crunch and what's the biggest inefficiency within an, within a tech employee's day? Um, be it a salesperson, well, not necessarily mm-hmm. a salesperson, but rather someone, an engineer. Um, it was meetings. The meetings was the biggest sort of, so we, we, we did our research and we realized 50% of meetings were considered inefficient. That's, that's huge, right? That's like, if you're, if you're doing five meetings in a week or 15 meetings in a week, seven out of those are were inefficient. That's, that's a lot of time wasted. So we started solving the problem from that. We built this app that, uh, we built this app that actually looked at your Google calendar meetings and then rated mm-hmm. if they were efficient or not. And then what, and then we, you know, built some tooling to put in an agenda, um, other different, different things that we put in to help sort of solve meetings. Um, while we were building that, we realized pretty quickly that, or at least the way we were building it, the way we were approaching the problem, we realized after talking to Y Combinator, we had an interview with them. Um, they do this 10 minute interview before giving you, you know, 500 K. Um, we didn't, we didn't get through that time. And the reason was that we were trying to tackle the problem in a true, too, too much of a granular fashion. So, mm-hmm. you know, they asked us, okay, what are you trying to solve really? It was like, okay, we're trying to solve burnout and increase productivity. And then they're like, okay, meetings is one thing, you know, burnout has bigger cultural issues that need to be solved. And we realized that that app that we were building wasn't really what was sort of the core to, or, or the core of what we wanted to solve within an organization. Mm-hmm. So we, so we kind of moved on from there. So we started with off with increasing productivity meetings. And then we started looking at, we started talking to more C-level execs. We, I think we talked to like 200 of them, 200 plus, mm-hmm. quite a few meetings. Um, I remember having back-to-back meetings and stuff, mm-hmm. um, those guys. And then we also, so we kind of went back to that, those uh, notes we took within those meetings. Um, mm-hmm. And then we said, okay, what other problems did people talk about that caused loss of productivity? And everyone just went, okay, you know, they're, you know, golden handcuffs, meaning that I'm not that motivated to do my job. So I just kind of get burnt out really easily because I'm not you know, that happy there. Uh, and there's quite a few different reasons. So we started looking at that and we said, okay, how do we solve burnout from a cultural standpoint? 
And yeah. the biggest problems we saw was managers blaming individuals for their burnout or, 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 or mm-hmm. implying some, some of that, you know, going mm-hmm. something like, oh, this person maybe wasn't doing this right. That's why he got burned out. And then after doing some more research, we talked to a few behavioral, uh, some, some behavioral psychologists mm-hmm. as well. And one of the biggest things we got was that burnout is a cultural problem. It's not an individual problem. Mm-hmm. And it's always been framed as an individual problem. Um, within companies, you know, some companies say it loudly, some companies, you know, say it subtly, but it's always blamed on the individual. Um, so we said, you know, how do we create something that solves a cultural problem? Um, and then and that's where sort of where we are. Um, and that's where we you know, kind of went and said, okay, like you said, you know, burnout comes from the HR standpoint, burnout comes from, there's, there's quite a few facets to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we said, how do we, what are the team, what are, what are the dynamics within just an engineering team? or within, a rec- within any team hmm. that we can solve for. So for example, our app has uh, this burnout analyzer that looks at a person's hmm. day, both meetings and tasks and work, avail- work time availability hmm. and says, okay, you know, and, and also assesses their hmm. sort of working style. Do they like meetings or do they like doing tasks yeah. more? And then kind of, you know, analyzes that. So, we, so we've kind of made it from like a team perspective or how can a team function with work? I think it makes a lot of sense, especially on the fact you touching on it's more of a cultural thing. A lot of times, I mean, me, even me working on within the uh, mental health space a little bit um, in my day job, but um, it's a lot more time like the system or the ecosystem around you play such a big role into it. Um, and obviously there is some individual approaches you can do to, you know, better your mental state, better your health or things you can do. But at the same time, the system you're in, especially the corporation, the corporate wellness program, how the company's treating you or developing programs within the organization play such a big role in the impact or productivity of their employees. One thing we were speaking, especially on the fact that, you know, everyone's a little bit individualistic with kind of looking at their calendar through your tool. One thing that came to mind is how, how do you know, we always like to say there's so many meetings, you know, oh, everyone has too many meetings. How, how are you, how are you able to kind of approach it saying like, Hey, what's too many versus what's not, not, not enough. Cause I guess you don't never, you don't really need meetings, but how were you able to kind of find that line of like, hey, no, these are not as effective number of meetings versus someone who might just be more meeting heavy? How were you able to differentiate that? Because that could be quite a large scale, especially now with work from home, there's being more meetings than is typical. Yeah, for sure. So so there's two things, really. One thing is, you know, there's uh, it's driven by user input in the beginning in the sense mm-hmm. that we ask the person directly, do you prefer meetings or do you prefer tasks? And then our algorithm mm-hmm. basically adjusts their meeting capacity based on that. Mm. And then the other thing is the quality of the meeting itself. Does the meeting have an agenda? Um, how many participants are there in a meeting? Can the can the work user, um, if they are they in back and back to back meetings, for example, you know, if, for example, uh, I, you know, this is Monday, and I'm looking at my Thursday, and I have five back to back meetings, and I get another request um, from someone for another meeting work will mm-hmm. go, okay, you know, if you accept this meeting, you're definitely going to burn out on that day. So maybe don't, you know, maybe suggest mm-hmm. the time. So there's like quick actions for that. Um, oh, now, obviously like there is a lot of context that goes into meetings in the sense that mm-hmm. for me, a meeting could be important for someone else and that meeting couldn't, but that depends mm-hmm. on the relevance and certain factors we can account for, but there are certain factors like meeting quality mm-hmm. and the stuff that someone actually puts into a meeting that we can. And we kind of base it off, base it off of that. 
So it's a combination of say user input and mm -hmm. what data we can get about the meeting from within the calendar. That is interesting how you touched on the facts are back to back being one of the largest causing issues or stressors, especially for the fact this reminds me of like even working out if, um, if anyone's ever into fitness, it's like, you, you know, you do legs, you don't go for a run after. But yeah. if you separate them by day, it's not a problem, but it's like just the back to back, the inability to reconnect or recover is such a big thing. And even in my corporation, that's a big thing where it's like scheduling. And I saw even on your application, like scheduling that like, Hey, 50 minutes do not book time. I need my lunch. I book lunch every day. And at first people thought that was silly. Like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Like, why are you booking your lunch? Everyone knows it's lunch, but then, Oh, you know, Bob over in accounting, Hey, just quick five minutes here, quick five minutes there. And then you end up eating at four o'clock. Um, your lunch. So I, I it's exactly, yeah. Yeah, interesting I mean, approach. You, you kind of envision work as that. So I have, I have, I have my roommate, mom, and you know, he mm -hmm. back in uh, Toronto. Um, I remember one day he walked into my room and it was 8 p.m. and he went, Hey, you've been working till 8 p.m. for the last month, you know, or, you know, I've noticed you haven't hung out with friends, you know, what are you doing? You know, so it was that. All I really needed was that external person coming in and telling me, hey, man, what are you doing? You need to take a break, you know? And if he hadn't, I was on my pathway to burnout. If he hadn't done that, you know, I could have been burnt out easily for mm -hmm. if I hadn't actually. So what I did is I'm like, okay, 5 p.m., I'm going to take a break. So I, I implemented some rules to stop my burnout from happening. So that's what we want work to be. We want work to be that friend that goes, mm -hmm. hey, man, I know you're a high achiever. I know you want to do this, but this is the consequence of you doing this additional hour of work. Are you, or you've had off hour meetings for the last week. What are you doing? You know, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe take some time off. Maybe for this one week, don't do off hour meetings, take a break, say no. We want, we want work mm -hmm. to be that. The friend and community part is so important. I think that's one thing. It's hard to always see yourself uh, while burning about like in high, like everything in hindsight, it's obvious. You're like, well, obviously I was, you know, I was working too many hours. Lack of sleep is a big thing, um, especially for long-term productivity, but having that like tool or having something that really bird's eye view, looking at something at a glance to see, hey, overall what's happening here and personal feel as well. And I think one thing we're seeing more and more, especially within more the corporate world, funny enough, uh, they're moving away from that grind set mentality more to the realization that hey starting a business is hard it couldn't take 10 years you need your sleep you need to be healthy because trying to work while you're not healthy is so difficult and your productivity is so much lower and we see a lot of now more entrepreneurial speakers or even like start founders on the instagrams tiktok influencers speaking about that like hey how do i incorporate fitness into my you know eight figure business Plan. they're still trying to sell you courses don't get me wrong but it's now the more of a shift that oh hey you can't be working you know 18 hours a day every single day for multiple years some weeks are rough that is true but the idea is that hey how can you have extended productivity it's about the results not the inputs to some extent so yeah. obviously burnout is more pop do you think now that burnout's being more popularly spoken about is this a more of a current or current problem or do you think now just more public? Cause obviously now with the digital age, we're more ever connected. Do you think, have you seen this over the past few years becoming more of an issue or is it now just being more light brought onto it in your opinion? I think burnout's always been an issue. 
um, you know, I would say like burnout is the side effect of humanity going agrarian. Like since agrarian society was a thing, burnout's been an issue, you know. Um, now, I haven't talked to any early farmers about the issue, but, you know, I think now it's the pandemic just kind of made it more prevalent in the sense that more people started talking about it once they were stuck. Um, I think in the past, I would say like even even back in the 1950s, pe- burnout was always a problem, but people just kind of there, there was this m- mentality of corporate grinding, right? Like like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gotta grind away. Like if I'm if I'm not grinding away, I'm that still exists, by the way, in the big four. Like mm-hmm. I know my friend. I have a friend who works in Deloitte, and man, he works like he works 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. to 10 p.m. Like if I want to have a meeting with him or do anything, he he's just always working. And I, I mean, and it's just it's just a culture over there, right? Like it's it's driven by the culture over there. It's it's not something even I w- I don't think he would have done it if it wasn't for the culture. Now, you know, he's talking about leaving, but it's the damage is kind of done. He's already wasted away mm-hmm. two years or three years that, you know, that, that he's been there. So anyways, getting back on topic to this one, it's mm-hmm. it's always been a problem. Right now, people have the, I would say, authority or, or rather not authority, rather people have the openness on the Internet to talk about it and actually do something about it. Because back in the day, like if. I would say even in the 1950s, if someone started talking about burnout, he would get fired. You know, worker rights weren't there. People were normally working 12-hour days. You know, that, like that was normal. The eight-hour workday was something that people fought for. There was a whole, I would say, like work revolution, like where the laborers went like, hey, we need eight hours. You can't make us work 12 hours. You know, you can't make us work six days a week. So the five days a week, eight hours a day was something people fought for. And I think now is the right time for a solution that helps with burnout because now it's accepted finally accepted mm-hmm. that burnout is a problem and that it needs to be solved so i think you're right in the sense that it's always been a problem now is some now is when people can actually do something about it and it's finally acceptable to do something about it you know so right now if you go like hey i'm burnt out i need help your manager's not gonna fire you <laughs> for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're gonna get the help you need. And I mean, commenting a little bit about you know the wellness programs that you mentioned, I think they help, but I think they're like that. I, I heard a friend going, my boss brought me, you know, made us work for two weeks, and then he got pizza. Pizza doesn't solve mm-hmm. anything. You know, like our like managers will think, oh, we gave we gave some pizza, and now everything's okay. No, the mental health, the mental wellness of your employees from working all these hours in those last month or two months was still affected. Pizza is not going to solve that. Mm-hmm. And I think certain corporate wellness programs, I'm not saying they don't help. I'm just saying they're like that pizza that companies mm-hmm. provide to sort of cover up the cultural issues that are, that are, that's making their employees work this much and this hard. Um, so with Vork, we're trying to basically, you know, create more preventative measures rather than, you know, wellness programs, great, have that, but here's something that'll actually change your culture so that people don't burn out or don't end up on that edge of the cliff scenario of burnout. Um, there, yeah. I, I think prevention, like you said, is such an important factor. It's Before it was very hard to track. How do you track prevention? I mean, you read um, 
I read quite a few books within either the medical field or the AI fields, and the whole idea is that how can being in Canada, healthcare system is such a big part of it, but it's like how can the healthcare system invest more in prevention? The problem with prevention, though, is that it's hard to attribute dollars to. If you didn't get sick, we don't know for sure it's because X, Y, and Z. On a system level, like you were saying, huge impacts, easy to track. But on an individual level, very difficult to say, like, hey, by you know, not doing X, Y, and Z, I was able to not get sick or not get burnt out. It's very difficult. But, but I think what you touch on the fact that, hey, by making more of a cultural thing or especially on a system-wide level, it can make greater changes. And then you're able to see, like, hey, maybe we don't need those, like the, the pizza parties or the – about pizza is great, but we don't need that. Um, what's it called like the remedy to the illness. We're solving the illness right at the source. We're fixing the problem and not really trying to fix the symptoms, which is a common thing, especially within um, a lot of corporate culture things, or especially within even medicine in general. Like, uh, yeah. You know, you, you, yeah, exactly. You yeah, I think you, cold. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And I, I think you touched on something important there. You know, you can't change what you can't measure. You know? And so far, I would say. So when we were interviewing a lot of managers, you know, when we just directly asked them, like, how many burnt out employees do you have? Oh, I don't think I have that many burnt out employees. Or, or that w- that was one answer. Or the other answer would be, I think I think I had a few, but then you know I gave them a few days off and it got solved. You know, mm-hmm. now I don't think any manager wants their employees to burn out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like if you're a good manager, you don't want your employees to be negatively affected. However. The other answer we got from managers was, hey, I know my employees are burning out, but I don't know how to go to upper management and say, this is the, our, our world is driven by money. You know, it's an unfortunate thing, but it's driven by money. Um, so they went, you know, how do, I don't know how to actually quantify this in front of my upper, upper, in front of upper management. How do I go to upper management and say that because you're making us do all this, your employees are burning out and quite quitting or leaving or whatever, or whatever, whatever. How do I quantify this? So that's another thing we want to really tackle with, you know, with Bork. And that's why we created the sort of burnout energy bars. Uh, the idea is that we give a certain happiness score and a burnout score to individuals so that you're finally quantifying that. And then, you know, kind of a manager can go to their upper management and say that, hey, my team has been burnt out for the last five months or for the last six months, we cannot take this extra project. Um, and another thing we're implementing in, in the app is uh, cost of meetings. Each meeting that is done has a certain cost effect to it. Everyone knows it, but it's not been visualized. It's not been put in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we're doing as well. You know, If you're a meeting organizer, organize a meeting with Vork, based on how many people you're putting into that meeting, it'll basically show you how much that meeting is costing you as an organization mm-hmm. or costing your organization, essentially. It's a lot about, I think it's a lot about showing people what the issues are, because sometimes once you put it in front of people, that's where, you know, once awareness, awareness is always the first step, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to do with work, make people aware that there is a problem and give them the solutions mm-hmm. um, to solve it. I think we we touch on it especially with if you can't measure it you can't um, solve it um, or you put it more eloquently. But the idea behind you need to have even if it's not finite number you have to see the impact. And like you said, being able to 
within your meeting, see the cost of the meeting. Say, hey, you know, bring all these hours together, you know, and, you know, 100 people, you know, maybe 100 is too big for me, but let's say 10 people's time for one hour, that's like a whole day of employees, pr productivity, and kind of breaking that down, seeing like, hey, do we need this? Is it worth it? Um, or is a the classic, is an email suffice? Can we do this in an email? Um, I've worked in enough startups where I rolled the cultural waves where it was, hey, don't have a meeting, send an email. Then it was, hey, don't send an email. You sit beside the person, yeah. talk to them. Like why, there's too, there's too many emails. And then now it's the opposite. Now it's like, hey, start sending me emails. Don't keep doing meetings. So it's like always a cycle to try to find that balance, yeah. um, like a boat rocking in the ocean a little bit. But like you said, if you can quantify it, it's a lot easier to say, hey, we know now. It's not that you're, you might not have to do any dramatic changes, but it's like, hey, we're just aware of the costs we're putting in here. And that even like you saw on the team side of things, giving managers the ability to say, hey, our team is looks to be at capacity. You're not seeing the, you know, we're seeing a decrease in productivity. And sure, this may not be that big of a deal to add a little bit more on. But eventually, like you said, there's a falling off point. There is a point where you have employees quitting to find better opportunities that have better balance or at least have better intrinsic value. They feel they're getting more out of it. And then once you get to that point, pizza doesn't solve it. People are already looking for new jobs. They're already looking for new things. They're not, you know, like the quiet quitting thing, I think has the wrong connotation. People don't really understand what it is. The idea that you're just working for your paycheck. Like, Hey, yeah, nine to five at five, I'm, I'm off. Sure. That seems normal, but to some extent for productivity, if your employees are happy, not so much that you want them to work 24 hours, but they're willing to maybe take a few hours here, a few hours there to help get work done. But if you're burnt out, you don't care. You're like, Hey, it's my paycheck and I'm out. And that's what the client client quitting thing became so popular and really isn't that bad. It's more working for your paycheck, which sounds way more nice to say. Yeah. Quiet quitting just has that like buzzfeedy word or like that uh, clickbaitiness to it. Yeah, exactly. Now, and I think a lot of these things are normalized in the workplace, right? Like it's, it's normal to take calls after hours in a certain organization where it's, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people, and I think it's, it's also a product of, someone not consciously putting a barrier barriers um and going okay 5 p.m i'm done so if one person doesn't do it the second person doesn't do it the third person doesn't do it and that's how a culture is created yeah and i think it's one of those things like you said once you fix it on the cultural level and see it it's a lot easier than for individuals to kind of be able to balance their schedule and kind of balance things to ensure that they're more productive and productivity i think is always sounds like me coming from more of a corporate side of things like sounds like all oh, the organization trying to steal your hours or trying to make you the best worker but if you're happy it helps the company for sure helps their bottom line but also helps you to be happy and enjoy your job like it's a win-win it doesn't yeah. hurt people that you're a happier employee yeah, um, exactly and i think organizations are finally understanding that there is a benefit to happier employees because happier employees because there's a lot of research that's been done around you know happier employees are keeping employees happy that's what gave rise to these apps like headspace etc um, you know, happier employees means better work quality. You know, it means better culture. It just, it's overall a positive thing. You know, there is, there is really nothing negative, even to a company's bottom line from happier employees. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so true. Happiness doesn't really hurt anyone. It just makes things better. Yeah. Now, one thing that's kind of interesting is obviously we're speaking a lot about burnout in a corporate level, but you're also a founder of a startup where there's no such thing. I've had a few people on the podcast speak about this. There's no such thing as work-life balance. They say you can't have work-life balance to be successful. 
Now, their caveat to this very egregious statement was the fact that you need work-life separation. You always have to be working on your company. You can't be you know, working nine to five, then going for a walk in the sense of like taking a hike, going partying, taking the weekends off. You kind of always have to be working on your startup, still getting your sleep and rest and fitness because that's a part of recovery, but it's hard to really have that balance approach. Do you find it hard kind of running a organization around the idea of burnout where you're in an industry being a startup and a founder where burnout is like you said, almost the norm and expected kind of, how do you balance the idea of like, Hey, am I working hard enough versus, Hey, am I really just being burnt out and more hours isn't kind of giving me the result? How are you able to balance that? Cause you're kind of in a weird world where you're talking about a big issue while being also in an industry or at least a job that is known for burnout being the norm. How do you balance those uh, approaches? No, that's fair. And I, I, so I think I'll start with saying that I always hear founders going, oh, I worked 80 hours or I worked 100 hours, mm-hmm. you know, grind, I don't know, hustle. I mean, maybe in certain organizations or certain startups or certain industries that's needed. Um, for myself, like, I do have the work-life separation. I've, I've heard different sort of terminologies, mm-hmm. work-life integration, work-life separation, those are different things. But it, what it comes down to at the end of the day is, were you happy with the work you did within and did you achieve the goals that you set out for yourself? Even in my previous startup pulse, you know, we went from, you know, two people, uh, Thomas and myself to 50 employees, you know, and growing right now. Um, I had now you mentioned, you know, expectations of employees to work all these hours at a startup. Now for a founder to work all those hours, I think that's okay in the sense that it's my company, you know, whatever hours I put in, it's, I get a lot more benefit than just a salary. I I don't think a founder should expect that from their employees though. Um, when, when you're, cause for that employee, yeah, sure. You gave them equity. I mean, I've heard, I've heard from people where they're, I've heard from founders, unfortunately, where they said, okay, I gave him some equity. You know, that means that he feels like he's part of the company which means it'll make him work harder. Yes, it will, but I don't think you should expect that from him because that equity that you gave him is like 2%. That, that's nothing compared to what you have, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're giving him a salary, but you know, you shouldn't expect that. And I think, so personally, I think there, de- there definitely should be a different expectation from employees versus what founders have, um, what they're doing. Um, now for myself, I've been able to integrate my work life like even right now in Pakistan, I'm working on this, I'm, you know, with family. I am also helping my, uh, my uncle with his factory. Like we have a chemical manufacturing factory over here. So I'm starting to help him with that. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of balancing all this together here and it's possible because of the time difference, etc. Mm-hmm. Now the hours that I'm working again, I wouldn't expect that from someone under, you know, someone working mm-hmm. for me essentially. Um, I've been able to find I my think- thing mm-hmm. just because of doing this again and again and again. And, and it's also different for different people, you know, like for example, my co-founder, Peter, he can work insane hours, even compared to what I do, he can work insane hours. Mm-hmm. Like he's messaging me at 5 a.m. in the morning, like, oh, I, I finished this one feature. I'm like, why are you awake at 5 a.m. building this? You know? Yeah, I think what you touched on is important thing as well as that obviously hours matter, but it's the quality of work is so important. So a lot of founders I spoke to who do work 
the hours you work is so difficult because like, well, when I'm sitting at dinner table with a napkin thinking of ideas, is that working or is that not working? It's a hard to quantify. So they always say, like, I'm always thinking about the business. Yeah. But I think the big difference for like, these founders is that. It's the zone, right? Like as long as you're in the zone, like for me, and, and, I, and I have to actually work on this and build this mentality for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to be, I, I used to have this problem and I still do to a certain extent of taking on mm-hmm. too much. Like in university, I was doing my startup servile. I was doing five courses. I was working to like to just pay bills and stuff. Obviously, my startup at the time wasn't making me that much money. Um, so I was working. I was, you know, social life. Like it was, mm-hmm. and I and I, I took on like two clubs. You know, I was I was, I was leading a club and I was mm-hmm. part of a few, um, just in different roles. And it was just, it was too much. You know, I I was I wasn't able to get good marks. You know, and it was a lesson I think for me. Um, what I realized was working isn't about isn't necessarily about so if you're if i say i'm working 50 hours a week it's not about oh i'm continuously typing for 50 hours Mm -hmm. as long as you're in the zone and you're thinking about work you're working you know so you have to train and i had to train my mind to sort of shut down and a trick i've used is just literally just saying shut down to myself and i'll just go like Mm -hmm. okay vort shut down it's just a mental trick that you make for yourself yeah. and it kind of shuts that down and then I'm in, I'm in the zone for, you know, not working essentially. I remember someone I, I talked to and a few founders and one thing I came up with was the idea that one of the biggest skills you can learn for productivity or burnout is how to relax aggressively. Like how can you completely disconnect for like one hour, no phone, no nothing, clear your mind, go stare at a tree. I like bonsai and gardening. So I always say like, I'm gonna go stare at a tree for an hour. Um, and it works, but the heart, like you said, it's very hard to disconnect. And then when you're like, oh, I'm relaxing, but I'm still thinking of my business. You're not relaxed then. You're always like, like, it's like, um, if you if playing video games, it's like, you're like, instead of, you know, you're sort of running and using stamina, you're like, okay, I'm walking, but I'm still like toggling it a little bit. So you're like, you're never fully recovered and recovery is such a big part of it. So I think how you touch on the fact that like being, building that separation, being able to think through your tasks and know what you're capable of and how what works best for you. You're an individual. What works best for you is so so important, especially for achieving achieving those outcomes. Yeah. So, obviously now, you know burnout's growing. Your business, you, know, you and your co-founder are kind of developing this business. Kind of what does the future look like? Like what what's the what's the plan? I know you t- we talk a little more corporations. Is the I need to work with more corporations to kind of implement this software. I, I think you do call it into the organization kind of what does the plan look like in the next few years for you guys yeah for sure so currently we we built an app that sort of helps individuals you know analyze their workday etc helps them quantify burnout and solve for it the idea is to expand this to teams so we just recently launched a uh, teams feature which was which is basically it's a simple check-in what you do is you at the end of the day an employee checks in and then a manager basically gets an aggregate of all their employees' check-in data, and it gives them a score of three out of five out of happiness. Um, so that's one simple thing that we're doing. Um, the idea over time is to build, uh, in the next few months, is to build a inter-team software that basically goes, for example, like if Bob is booking on, I don't know, Adrian's calendar, no affiliation with anyone, <laughs> just random names. Um, if, is, if Bob is building on Adrian's calendar, um, Bob will get a message saying that, hey, on maybe don't book the, book a meeting on Tuesday 
Because if you do, Adrian's going to burn out booking on Wednesday instead. Mm -hmm. So it's features like that that we're building in. Um, basically anything that helps teams or coworkers understand or appreciate each other's time a little bit mm -hmm. better um, and understand, you know, if they're burning out or not. Uh, and then help with that, essentially. Help, help change cultures through that. Like you said, it's all about having what you can track, having those metrics and allowing teams to say, hey, what is, you know, we need a meeting, what's the most effective time to do this, and do we need a meeting? And I think having the team component, like you said, fixing the culture around it is really the biggest, uh, kind of the biggest elephant in the room to fix a lot of these yeah. symptoms of the problem of individual burnout. Yeah, exactly. So, so like, you know, I mean, if people in this... Sorry. Mm -hmm. I'll say, yeah. I think it's, makes a lot of sense to move on to, to the team side of things. And if people or individuals kind of want, want to learn more about this kind of try out the application or try out the app software, the plugin, what do you define it as? Is it software plugin? I'm too, I'm too boomer now with my uh, definitions of like SaaS products. I'm back in the day when SaaS was everything. Now there's different terms. So what would you classify it as and how can people find it if they want to try it out and kind of take a look at it? For sure. So it's a Chrome extension. Um, you can find it on the uh, Chrome App Store, basically. Uh, the reason we started off with a Chrome extension is because it plugs in with Google Calendar and then it analyzes your day on there. Um, it's, it was just easier to build for the G Suite, uh, for the Google stack. Um, we're building this for, we're going to be building this for Microsoft uh, as well. Um, the idea also going, uh, going forward is to be able to integrate with apps like Slack, Zoom, um, as well as Gmail, and then measure productivity or rather measure burnout from those applications as well as other work tools uh, that an organization uses um, so that it's not just based on, because it's not just the time of a person that affects the burnout. It's also the tools that they use. It's also the time that they spend in other applications. Um, so essentially that's sort of like the roadmap to the future. Um, so currently you can find it on the Chrome App Store. If you just search for work, it'll be right there. Um, it's pretty easy to install, just add to Chrome and then it's ready to go on Google Calendar.